Episode 3, Edge of Destruction. Hello and welcome back to Into the Black Archive, the one and only podcast, well it's not one and only podcast actually, but the podcast where we attempt to get through all of the Doctor Who episodes. Yes, even the classic ones will be here for a while, don't worry. But I'm not doing this alone, I also have got the amazing James Stevenson. Hi Owen and uh, hello, welcome to what he believes is the only Doctor Who podcast that exists. Uh, yeah, welcome along. Um... My, my trail that was going to be the only one which attempted to watch them all the way through. I realise that isn't the case and there is one other no, one which I know of. No, that's not the case. Which failed, I think. So we're the only active one from what I know of. And that long may that continue. Well, we're only episode three, so, you know, we're halfway through season one. That's one way of looking at it. Halfway through yeah. season one. Of uh, enough, of enough series. <laughs> yeah, let's just not even look at that one. Uh, how much yeah. have we have left to go? It's it's a fair, it's a fair chunk. Yeah, but today we've got episode three, Edge of Destruction, which we'll go into a bit more later on. But it's a bit of a light episode, so I've decided I was going to listen to some other Doctor Who media to help us have an extra discussion. Right, I look forward to this. So I haven't actually told you anything. I told you I'm doing this, but I haven't told you anything about it. Yeah, so, I have no idea what's about to happen. So it is a... Um, so essentially what the storyline is... Um, the, well, the book is called um, At Childhood's End. So it's essentially based around 13th Doctor and the current fam. Well, not current fam, but, you know. Um, okay. Meeting up meeting up with a, a former companion. This former companion runs um, a charitable earth. Charitable, uh, this is charitable, now when we see... Full how, earth. Cha- charitable earth. A charitable, charitable earth. Oh, God. So this is... We're, we're currently playing James has to guess the, compa- the, second, the <laughs> companion which we're revis- revisiting. Oh, it's going to be horrific. Um, Sarah Jane, please, just because she's cool. Uh, no. Ace, why not? Uh, yes. Is it actually Ace? <laughs> uh, there was there was actually three clues which I gave you already. If you if you think about the name, yeah, at childhood's end. Oh, right. Yeah, a like a charitable Earth. Yes. Not bad. It's nice little clues, actually. I mean, I didn't read them. I just took a lucky guess. But they were good clues. Yeah. <laughs> they were well sewn so in. They, so they, it was written by Sophie Aldridge and read by Sophie Aldridge, who is the actress who plays Ace. So, you know, she can do a good Ace voice in the audiobook. That's, that is very helpful for the audiobook. Is it is it a big finish one or is it completely independent from big finish? It It's just a generic book, which they've made audio-wise. Oh, Okay. It's all right. I think that's what I'm going to say about it. It's all right. They have a, a spaceship, which actually, the idea of the spaceship freaks me out. The spaceship, apparently, as how they describe it, is a big black object, which has got like flesh. So it's essentially built out of flesh. Which just. Interesting one. Just creeps me out slightly, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a bit of a weird one. So, so the plot line is um, Ace now runs a, a very large charity um, called Charitable Earth. Um, she keeps getting nightmares about about kids being kidnapped, um, much like how she was in the original in her initial storyline. Do you know how about Ace's backstory? 
Do you know, yeah, she grew up on that council estate, didn't she? She was kind of just like regular 80s type, had a bit of a troubled family. Uh, no, it actually goes into a bit more inter- interest into that. So essentially her backstory was was that she was essentially kidnapped in a time storm and taken to a faraway place on the ninth galaxy. And that's where the Doctor found her. These things can all happen. Yeah, so essentially a load of, ki- loads of people around, I think it turned out being around the galaxy are being kidnapped. And it's essentially, they they accidentally meet up on this ship and they've got to try to work out what happened. It all goes awry. Uh, they're supposed to have trackers on Ryan and Yaz to be to be kidnapped so they can trace them where they, wherever they go. Ace ends up being kidnapped and two other secondary characters get kidnapped as well. And then that's basically where I'm at. Unless you haven't finished it yet. No, it's eight hours, eight hours long. I've got two hours left and we've only just been introduced to the main bad person. Pacing. Uh, the key word for that is pacing. Bring your baddie in. It depends on how much they've uh, they've kind of teased the baddie throughout or foreshadowed it with that kind of thing, because it works sometimes. So, for for main bad people, which we've had so far, are called rats. Um, they are essentially rats, which then transform into human-like creatures, which then kidnap, which then take people to the master boss person. <laughs> the storyline's okay. One bit which I did, which I do. There's two things I like about it. I think number one is the relationship between Ace and Yaz. It's very much a jealous, a, a jealousy over all oh, the Doctor who had someone else before me, and also Ace is trying to tell them which the Doctor was quite manipulative. Hmm. Which is absolutely right, particularly the McCoy one. Yeah, particularly with Ace as well. He wasn't very nice. It also goes into yeah. detail because Ace. Ace is the only companion who we never see leave the Doctor on the TV because Doctor Who was cancelled by that point. Mm. Um, so it turns out what essentially ended up happening, the Doctor um, tricked her into being touched by these creatures called the Wraith, which essentially gave her a massive migraine and massive effects afterwards, and then forced her to blow up using Nitro, Nitro 9 um, creatures who defended it. And and A kind of went, no, this is enough. I'm not doing you anymore. Hmm. So that was... It's all right. It's an all right li- listen. It's something to listen to. It's something in the in the dull... I mean, we are recording this in the middle of... Because we haven't quite got out of any lockdown restrictions when we're recording this. When this is out, we may very well be closing in on the 29th of March. I don't think we'll be there yet, but... Yeah. So this in for UK. So in for UK, we're still currently under some sort of COVID lockdown. Yeah, at the moment we will be under some, and definitely when we're recording, we're under full lockdown, uh, which is exciting. Yeah, it's it's nice and fun. Keeps things fresh. Yeah, not really. I actually, Owen, watched some Doctor Who media this week. You actually just twigged oh. um, something on. There's a guy on YouTube. Um, I cannot remember his full name, but I know his, I know his channel name. It's called Clever Dick Films, okay. and he's been doing this really long series, kind of going through the doctors by era with these kind of retrospectives and they started out you know as a but they've got they've blown up into these full hour plus long mm. well exhaustively researched documentaries and each and on friday a, a one for tenant came out and this is the first one in like a year and i've been waiting for it for a year because he did eccleston um just pretty much as covid happened last yeah. year which is when that came out um and it is just beautifully exhaustively detailed 
so much about the development, uh, about the way Tenant was. There was a fair bit of criticism, actually. It was surprisingly um, level-headed. It's a guy who's definitely more into the classic than the modern show, but he yeah. has an appreciation for the modern ones. What did he say then about Tenant? He said that um, he he thought Tenant was a great doctor. I, yeah. That wasn't so much a question for him. It was more his companions were written quite poorly. He said that Donna was the best one, which yeah. is, I think, a fair comment. I he was... thought Rose and Martha were a bit too lovey. Yeah, um, I was what I've been watching uh, Mr. Tardis recently, who mm. does um, sort of review. He, he last year and the year before did um, Dalek Ember and Cybermen Ember or something along those lines. So we watched F, uh, every Doctor, every uh, Dalek episode, every Cybermen episode every day mm. for December. And he said, which he couldn't have been more happy when Rose left. He hated Rose. He he liked Rose, I think, when it was Eccleston, but when it went to Tennant and it kind of became this bizarre love relationship. And he really Yeah, that was kind that. of the same thing that this guy was saying in that it's a really good piece of work. It's definitely worth checking out. Um, but he was basically saying he thought that it was all a bit too twee and it was all a bit too loved. But it, do, it did bring a lot of new generation of fans in. So there's a balance to be had. Yeah. And... And I don't think any, he was saying, oh, he never said, oh, I can't stand Rose. It was just, it wasn't for me, but I understood why people enjoyed yeah. it. And I was happy with the show still. And there were still some great episodes with Tennant and Rose. Yeah. I look back positive with Tennant, with Tennant and Rose purely because, though, that was like the first time I got into Doctor Who. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a sense of nostalgia towards that. Yeah. Yeah. And I haven't really rewatched any of the other stuff. I know I've rewatched Tennant's bit a little bit henry would hmm. really rewatched any of martha's or donna's yet which is a shame i think donna's meant to be one for better ones oh i think donna's probably is the best of the three I, if i really had to be objective series four is pretty much tremendous all the way through there's a couple of episodes that are a little bit uh, i couldn't care much like doctor's daughter for example it's it's fine it's an interesting premise yeah. But even then, that would be a fairly decent episode in most series, and it feels flat in four because of how good some of the episodes are. I, I mean, I was having a rewatch of Silence in the Library and Forest of the Dead, the Moffat yeah. one. Just one of the best Who stories, period. Which makes it even more annoying that he didn't show on the show as he should. How can he write that? And then... Oh, he's so good on limited... He's so good in limited run times. And then you give him, like, the whole canvas yeah. and he, he almost overwhelms it with, like, all of his cool ideas. He always tries too much. Yeah. He he ends up repeating a lot of storylines, doesn't he? Yeah. It's it's a lot of similar things. I always noticed, particularly in the the early Smith, and then when we got into things like the, the whole astronaut storyline in Series 6 and then the Trenzalore stuff. Yeah. Uh, that he uses these ridiculous time jumps. Like... You know, it was always known that the Doctor was 900 and change in the Davies era. And by the end of Bloody Moffat, it was, I've been here for over 2,000 years. You have doubled the lifespan of that man for your narratives. <laughs> yeah, it just felt like a lot of... I think, what's one which you like, which I was unsure about, which I should start this entire podcast? Oh, is that, um, was that Heaven Sent when Capaldi literally is there for a billion years? Yes. <laughs> That's yes, very Moffat. I I couldn't stand that episode. That's why we're here. It was pretty much 
uh, you said to me we should rewatch some Doctor episodes if you can change Owen's mind, and I said let's rewatch them all, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, here we are. Uh, yeah, Heaven Sent is a cracking episode, and I, and I won't change that. But I admit that having him age a billion years is a lot. They kind of get away with it by saying it was all kind of mental, which is fine. Yeah, you can kind of use that. And there's also the story. I don't like that episode, but there's I can also see there is a story reason for it. But when with the stuff on Trench Law, it's literally just like. Uh, let's just let's just say this random massive number no one would care mm. yeah if there are some good episodes under Moffat but there's also some real issues anyway that's a whole thing that we can get into when we get to Moffat because <laughs> we can go in into real depth in approximately four years yeah in 2025 I really look forward to, to going through the Moffat era it'll be really nice for now though we've got yeah. to go through William Hartnell and Susan and Ian and Barbara as they get into an interesting episode that definitely looks cheaper than the other two. Care to explain that one? Uh, I think first question is, do you think we filled enough? Because we're having to fill a lot here because we know we don't have much to say about this episode. <laughs> well, I think we've done we've done a few minutes. I think we've done. Good, good, good. Just, so. Yeah, just run it through, see what happens. So, essentially, uh, I'll read brief synopsis. We were going planning on making Owen attempts to read synopsis in 60 seconds. Uh, recurring theme but quite frankly this synopsis is so short i would we would be waiting around for 50 50 seconds for me to actually say something useful um so the synopsis of this episode is um, as our tardis crew leaves garo there's a sudden explosion knocking out our quartet and they have to try to work out what has happened but suspicions run high can they work out what happened to the ship can they survive has someone broken into the ship is is the Doctor going to chuck out Ian? We don't know. There's a lot of... This episode just does a lot of kind of mental gymnastics. Is how I go with it. It tries a psychological thriller, particularly in the first... Because this is a two-part serial, if you didn't know. Yeah. Um, in the first part, it goes for a very psychological thriller approach where you don't quite know what's going on and neither do neither do the characters and there's all sorts of mysteries afoot in the TARDIS. And it all just goes... Like, I understand how they came up to it, but some of the points just don't make much sense to me. Like? Why does Susan go on the stabbing spree? Don't worry. These things are normal. That, like, <laughs> like, like, I understand her having a negative effect. I understand her not trusting people. But not trusting someone and going to attempting to stab them, having the scissors taken off you, sneaking to get the scissors again to then go to stab a bed several hundred times, there's, there's a bit of a leap there. It's, yeah, it's a jump. There are, and I really want to point this out, there are some strange things <laughs> that go on in this episode that you, that you look at from a writing set and just go, this feels very random without much logic yeah. applied to it. And I have to say, when we find out the conclusion, there's still not that much logic to it. Yeah. Shall we Shall we just go straight to the conclusion? Because it's a bit of a mad one. And obviously spoilers um, for anyone listening to this ever before we know we'll be covering spoilers with these episodes. Yeah. Um, so essentially, I'm not going to sugarcoat it here. Um, the button which they used to go back to where they started got stuck. <laughs> I, I can't sugarcoat the conclusion anymore oh wait no sorry sorry i'm wrong i'm wrong it was five seconds of exposition about what where they could be um realizing the button was stuck and then 
like two minutes of exposition about how buttons work. Yeah, there was a whole thing about buttons, which was, I understand that Doctor Who was made for an educational purpose in part, but two minutes on a button was a strong one to go with in terms of lessons about science. I also think we need to go into a bit of context about this episode as well, rather than just the conclusion. We're getting yeah, dark back we and forwards. Um, so essentially, this is a bottle episode. So if you don't know what a bottle episode is, a bottle episode is essentially when writers have used up all of their budget. So all of those times when James has been saying which Doctor Who had, been using, had had no budget for the last two episodes, they had overspent their, their no budget. So this episode, they had to try to make a bottle episode where they... A bottle episode, essentially, when you set the story in, in a one set you already have with only the main cast. Just to basically save costs. And in this case, it wasn't just the money issue. They also had no scripts. So the head writer essentially wrote this in a drunken weekend from what I'm aware of. Yeah, it was chaotically put together. But the thing with bottle episodes is they can go either way. There are some really good examples of bottle episodes. For example, in sitcoms, there is a really good bottle episode uh, in Seinfeld, um, which is known as like the game. Um, and no one ever, no one ever actually says what the game is, but we all know it's a fucking contest and how how far you can get with that key, and everyone fails. So, for one example, which everyone gives is Breaking Bad, is that fly episode, the episode yeah. where there's loads of action tension, and then there's an episode when they're attempting to find a f- fly. That's an example mm. of a bottle episode. Well, tell your disappointment to suck it. I'm doing a bottle episode. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Bottle episodes can be so good. But at the same time, because of the the confines on you, it can also be f***ed. And in this case, the Edge of Destruction is a bit... It's a little bit I don't even feel like it was bad. It just didn't make much sense. It was very erratic. Uh, its plotting was nonsensical at times. Particularly, uh, I mean, let's, let's try and describe what actually happens. So TARDIS blows up at the end of the Daleks. If the console explodes, everyone gets knocked to the ground. Everyone's got like a bit of amnesia about what happened. Yeah. Um, Susan waits. Up. And actually, this this is actually something which I want to quickly say before we go into this. Mm. I really like how this how early Doctor, particularly at this point, stops, starts, stop, starts. So every story is straight after each other. I really like that rather than having a massive gap in between, like what you've got in some modern Doctor Who. Yeah, you have these really big time jumps where you just don't know the events that happen in between. Which is, I think is fine. Yeah. But it depends on how you want to do it. I do like the fact that everything's continuous. So it's kind yeah. of becomes this almost full narrative. Yeah, but anyway, sorry. Um, back on track. Um, so essentially everyone gets knocked out. I can't quite remember what happened afterwards. Do you? What happens afterwards is that Barbara's the first to wake up. She's asking a lot of questions. Ian is very much out of it. And Susan yeah. is acting very oddly. Um, and basically anyone who goes and touches the TARDIS control panel suddenly gets this sharp pain in the back of their neck. Uh, most of the control console, but not one section of it. If you touch one section of it, it's fine. Yeah, just everything else will um will hurt you badly. Yeah. Um, and then the scanner starts showing random photos of places which they've been. Uh, and then they essentially fight. That's just... My memory of this yeah. episode isn't that good, I'll be honest. The, the first episode uh, is basically spent with the four characters wondering who they can trust. So it follows that psychological thriller aspect. And with Susan, they almost go for like a supernatural route because she almost acts possessed. 
Like that was my feeling at the start was that an alien had gotten into Susan and was making her do stuff. Yeah, or she had seen something or something like that, which makes her not trust anyone. But she just doesn't. It's just what I was saying earlier. She just goes on a random stabbing spree for seemingly no reason. Yeah, she gets these mahoosive scissors. They're not like the little scissors you'll get, um, you know, just to do whatever. These are like the big old school metal scissors with the massive, great big. Um, what do you what do you call the actual scissor bits on scissors? Because like you got the scissors. Are they called plates? I think so. Magical plates. I didn't know. I genuinely don't know this. I probably I probably sound like an idiot to somebody, but yeah, I don't know what that bit of the scissors. Anyway, the ones with the massive ones are those huge, spiky, yeah. like ones in the poster for us. Like you could stab someone with those damn things. And then, then uh, after Susan goes has fun stabbing, there's a discussion about whether something's crept in the TARDIS because the TARDIS doors keep opening. It's never discussed how this could be happening or where they are for the TARDIS doors to be opening and them not being sucked out but you know continuity that's fine um, don't worry about it <laughs> don't worry about it um the doctor gives them um some sort of sleeping drug at one point but doesn't tell them it's a sleeping drug yeah which raises suspicion because at this point the doctor's very mistrustful of uh particularly ian and barbara who he's always been mistrustful of even from episode one but here it's all coming to a head because he's thinking they're trying to take the ship off him for whatever reason yeah so if doctor's really distrustful of people well that's been a theme throughout the whole series so far hasn't it the doctor's just like oh young boy you have no possible idea what's going on here but the thing is we don't know what's going on so he's acting really suspicious because he's suspicious so i honestly thought it was mostly him at one point yeah that's what you start to think because the doctor's the one that's leveling all the accusations and what i've always found is the person leveling most of the accusations is just trying to deflect yeah psychologically and then he um so then they all go to bed. Um, the doctor is doing, goes to do something for control panel. Ian comes up to drag drag him away half asleep, but sort of goes at him to strangle him. I'm not entirely sure what was going on there. Yeah, it's a very odd moment, and then that's sort of the point where um, we cliffhanger off, isn't it? I think the cliffhanger. I can't remember what the cliffhanger was honestly on this episode. Either way, it wasn't a memorable one, obviously. The weird thing about that is I don't understand what he was going to do if not strangle him. Because he goes straight through the neck. Like, it wasn't like sort of like a bundling him out of the way to stop him touching the control panel. It is straight through the yeah. neck. You see, that's what makes me think. The whole thing is leading you to think it's like a possession story. Because if the doors are opening, some kind of a gaseous apparition could get in. Or, like, an yeah. energy. Some non-corporeal being. Like what the Time Lords wanted to be. And that would have been fine. Because you could have played around with, like, the possession aspect. And that would have really lent in well to the, mm. you know can i trust you are you possessed by our enemies that kind of it's a cool concept actually but yeah it turns out particularly as we get into the second part that the explanation is far more mundane <laughs> than that but something which I, which I think we both liked about this episode is the fact which barbara actually takes starts to take the lead towards the last yes, half of the second series that's definitely the best episode. thing about this because i think for the other characters we usually have a conversation about the characters but there's not a lot of development for the rest of the three ian's mostly out of it I feel like there is, but purely on relationships. There's no Perhaps, ca- yeah. character building, but there's relationship building. Particularly towards the... In the last five minutes, once they realised it was a broken spring... Um, sorry, I'm only slightly annoyed about it just being a broken spring. <laughs> they they then start to bond. It is incredible to have a two-part zero to be ended by a broken spring. Yeah, it's just a bit odd. But yeah, I'm by the end, they're bonding well. 
But definitely, if you're looking for the character to speak about, it's 100% Barbara. Because we've been quite, haven't we, critical of the way Barbara's been written in Unearthly Child and the Dalek. She doesn't do an awful lot. She kind of screams her way through the episodes at times. Is often kind of carted along. Excluding that one, the first cliffhanger in the Daleks, she hasn't really done lots. As I'm making the mud to cover the eye stalk. She hasn't really done much. In that cliffhanger, she was basically powerless. She was trapped inside with this, yeah. you know, a, with a Dalek. She's yeah. not in a great position there. But this episode was really good because it put Barbara almost at centre stage. She's the one that starts working things out and starting to connect yeah. the dots. She's the one trying to appeal to everybody. But before that, though, the Doctor was threatening to kick both her and both her and Ian off the ship. Yeah, that is mad. It comes out of nowhere. Because the doctor's all right, yeah. that's going on. Right, you've obviously done it. I'm going to throw you into space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to literally right, chuck okay. you into space. God, if if people who've grown up, like we were talking about with Tennant and Rose earlier, it's just like, oh, yeah, do you want to watch another great Doctor Who serial? I will throw them off the ship. <laughs> yeah, it's just not... That's the thing, isn't it? When people go, oh, look at the good old days of classic Doctor Who. We, I think what we're learning here is that classic Doctor Who was not that nice. He's not someone classic to look Classic Doctor up to. Who, he was, a, he was a nasty little twat. He, he was more than happy to get people out of the way. I mean, just today, we've talked about the seventh Doctor manipulating Ace. That's um, bad. Into killing things. Uh, we've got the first Doctor threatening to k- kick people off the TARDIS. And we've also got, in other episode Colin Baker strangling Perry. Yeah, that's an issue. Colin Baker was a proper... I can't wait to get to that, because just going through how Colin Baker was in his first season is just like the biggest autopsy of how not to do a new Doctor. Yeah. Because it was rude to just the point where it would just put everybody off. The difference with Hartnell was that he was rude, but there was something underneath. Like You can tell there's depth yeah. there, and, and that rudeness comes... Whereas with Colin Baker at times, that first series, it really was just the... You've woken up really grouchy <laughs> and you're just taking it out on everyone. Um, so, yeah, so does he fear a lot of course of Big Bang? So I'm just reading your notes. Uh, yeah. What I'll say about that is, you know, there's a bit in the second part where where the Doctor is wondering what's going on and trying to piece things together. And he recognises that this, uh, basically, the switch that's broken, the one with the spring, is mm-hmm. a fast return switch. Yeah. And it's gotten jammed, so essentially they have travelled as far as possible as, as they can go through time, pretty much to the beginning of the universe or the beginning of reality. Yeah. And he goes on this monologue where he talks about atoms uh, merging and coagulating and becoming dust and becoming the this stars was and planets. the first um, bit of exposition before once we realise about the button scenario. Yeah, he does a whole monologue about the origins of the universe for us to realise, actually, no, sorry, mate, it's a broken button. You might want to get that fixed. Yeah. It's a massive anti-climax. But what, but what that made me think was, for a moment, does he think, of course, the TARDIS started the universe? Isn't that actually one of the plot points from Matt Smith's season, the whole Pandora box thing? Well, yeah, that is used in, um, in the Big Bang, although it's slightly different to this. Yeah. But yeah, but, uh, as far as I'm aware, it's, isn't it that the TARDIS has like an almost code of the universe in it and that they use that i honestly can't remember that episode other than potentially big bang but yeah i i that does check out for me it's definitely something to do with re rebooting the universe via the tardis 
But this wouldn't be rebooting. It's basically theorising that the universe itself that they are in was started by the TARDIS. Yeah. So I don't really think there's much more to say about this episode. It's it is a bottle episode in pretty much all in every sense of the word. You only see those four characters. There's no real effects work besides besides some flashing lights. Yeah. Um. They hold their heads a bit. It, it is. I mean, if you thought that the Daleks was cheap, my God. I mean, <laughs> we could go. We could go and make a pretty decent recreation of this. I think. Yeah. A pretty decent one on very limited budget. And, of course, just to cover for what happens in the last thing, which will lead on to the next episode, which we won't actually be able to watch. Because it's lost in time, isn't it? Yes. So this actually comes on to other discussions which we've been having about whether we'll cover the lost episodes on this podcast, since we're leading up to Marco Polo, which doesn't exist. So I think we've decided which we will not be covering the missing episodes, which are not on BritBox, whether they be... If they're animated, we'll cover them. But if they're not at all on there, we're not going to go over them. Uh, yeah, because there's just nothing really... There's nothing really we can watch to say. Yeah, we can go down for the audio book route, but I don't feel like we'll be giving getting full feeling. So maybe if animated versions of some episodes come out between while we're making these podcasts, we might film an extra one here and there just to fill in the gaps. But yeah, until that happens, we are... Uh, very limited by what was saved from the BBC's horrific preservation policy of tape in the 1960s. So that means we are going to be missing next week Marco Polo and going straight on to the Keys of Marius. Yes, Keys of Marius, which is probably the most interestingly titled serial of the lot in series one, I find. So yeah, so I think so at the end of this episode, they see a massive um, footprint in the snow. We don't know what's going to happen there, and we probably won't ever know what's going to happen there because the episode yep. <laughs> don't exist, and it's seconds. But it's an it's an interesting cliffhanger. We yeah. can theorise. Yeah, I might listen to the audio book just so I know we can just I can briefly say what happened next episode. But we're not going to make an entire podcast episode about it. Uh, yeah, we'll just be skipping straight on to Keys and Marius. Yeah, but a final part of our episodes. Rate this episode out of ten. Um. It's not very good, is it? I think with the first two, there's there's a really clear sense of what who's going to be. This one is is a lot further away from that. It's very cheap. It's a bottle episode in the sense of it feels cheap and it feels a bit rushed mm. and there's not a lot of thought in it. There's good moments. I lo- I really like Barbara in this. I, th- I think yeah. they gave her a lot to do and she becomes a much better character for it. So it's definitely not without value. Uh, but I'll say it's a three, a three out mm. of ten. Not not a very good rating for this. Um, so for me, it's not about the cheapness. So I don't think the only way it looks cheap is because it's only on one set, which I think you can get away with. Okay. If it was, if they had, if they decide to go for low budget and make terrible cheap sets, then I would be saying that looks really cheap. But because it's on one set, which they already have pre-built, so it looks doesn't look cheap. It's just the storyline just has so many different areas which just don't make sense. Like, why why are they going on stabbing sprees? Why is X and Y happening? It's just so odd. So I'm probably going to say a four. One above you. A four. Because I'm I'm not affected by the cheapness. It's just the storytelling for me wasn't very good. Yeah, it's very... You can tell this was written on a drunken weekend. Although, to be fair, I've never written a Doctor Who serial on a drunken weekend, so massive props that that was able to happen. But equally, I don't think many people have. 
no. Unless, if you'd like to write to us and explain what Doctor Who episode you can think of drunk, please let us know at, at our contact details, which Owen will give you now. At Black Archive Pod, or you can Twitter. email us at uh, blackarchivepod at gmail.com. Let us know what you're thinking about uh, this episode, if you've seen it or if you'd like to, uh, how this podcast is going for you, if you're enjoying it, and also... Once again, if you've ever been drunk and theorised some mad Doctor Who episode, I'm pretty sure I've done it as a kid, maybe not drunk, um, but when I was younger, I definitely have. Fun fact, me theorising and making a little bit of fanfiction for I knew what fanfiction was got me a Blue Peter badge. What? Yeah. You bring this up now? Yeah. You bring this up right at the end. What? When, how did you get a Blue Peter badge? That's bonkers. I wrote uh, a terrible... Scra- I, I, I actually got um, for standard Blue Peter badge and the silver one. You've got a silver blue Peter badge, Owen. What the hell? I don't know where they are now. You're I've a got... hero of Britain. Um, You're a cultural icon. <laughs> I can't actually. I only remember getting it for writing for Doctor Who. Sorry, I can't remember what I got the second one for. Well, whatever matter, whatever that was, whatever that is, I would like you to find it so I can read it in a dramatic voice. I really want to see this. This was when I was very young. It almost certainly doesn't exist. <sighs> I'm sorry well, to disappoint. Either way, you can say that you've won a Blue Peter badge for your love of Doctor Who, which makes you incredibly qualified to host this. <laughs> that it? should really be in the bios for this. <laughs> Owen won a Blue Peter badge writing some... That's genuinely, like, in that perfect niche British way. It's like, oh, that's... It's a bit stupid, but it's quite cool. <laughs> yeah, it got me into free places, which I think I used once. I actually discounted prices. I used it once, I think, if I remember correctly. If honestly, if you if you can use a Blue Peter badge once in your life to get a discounted price, it's more than worth it. Do you remember where? It might have been Legoland. Oh, that's actually that's actually filthy. You got a discount to Legoland. I honestly terrible dot two fanfiction. That's incredible. I honestly can't remember. I remember we used it. It might even have been Sea Life Center. I don't know. It has been years. We will do more research and get back to you. Anyway, I think... Well, you can. I I want you to. This is a very interesting story I'd like to know more about. Yeah, no. We're not going into any more depth about this. But anyway... (laughs) That's so crazy. Anyway. Anyway. So, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed. As Jane said, if you have a complaint about our podcast and about our reviewing skills, (laughs) if you have a complaint about this episode or think it was the best thing since sliced bread... Please get in, cu- in touch at Black Archive Pod on Twitter or um, blackarchivepod at gmail.com. As we will see you next week for The Keys of Marius as we continue our journey through the first series. Uh, my thanks once again to Owen, the most wonderful host, and uh, many thanks to you at home, or, well, probably at home. I say wherever you are, like you're going to be somewhere else uh, in the UK at the moment. Um, but yeah, take it easy. We'll see you next week. And until then, have a, have a good week. We're past halfway of the episode of season one. Whoop, whoop. Woo! See you later. Congratulations, you've made it to the end of time. Well, just this episode, really. It's not that dramatic. But thanks very much for getting here. If you've liked what you heard, uh, you can get in touch with us on Twitter at Black Archive Pod or via email at blackarchivepod at gmail.com. And, of course, remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.